Wolverine Nation, welcome to Go Blue Players with J&J. You're listening to Jared Bunch, your former Michigan Wolverine podcaster, bringing you reviews, previews, opinions, and locker room chatter. The regular season is over. And what do we do between now and our bowl game? Well, the program will start preparation for Florida State and the Orange Bowl. The players will finish up classes and the coaches will start spending time with recruits. So this is a great time to have a guest who has been the voice of Michigan Replay and Inside Michigan Football since 1980. Since 1980. A Michigan man who was on that first Bo Schimbeckler team in 1969, and he's still seen and heard each and every week in Ann Arbor. Of course, I'm talking about Jim Brandstatter, who will be today's guest talking all things Michigan on this podcast. And it's a post-season podcast. So stay tuned. Stick around for Go Blue Players with J&J. Post-season podcast. Fans, subscribe to the Go Blue Players with J&J on iTunes if you haven't already. And if you haven't become a follower on the blogtalkradio.com, become one to win exclusive autograph gifts and tickets to the games. This is Ward Manuel, Athletic Director at the University of Michigan. You're listening to Go Blue Players with J&J. Welcome back to Go Blue Players Podcast with J&J. And I had the chance and opportunity to call up Jim Brandstander, and uh, we spent about an hour talking about things this season and, and just being Michigan men and, and playing for Bo and the different coaches that took place, uh, different coaches that took over over the last few years and this great season and how it ended and a little preparation for uh, the bowl game. And so here it is. So take your time. Listen. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Check it out. Our podcast today on my podcast, the Michigan Michigan Go Blue Players with J&J. We have a special guest, and this goes back to years and years, my playing days and before. He's a former player, and now he is Mr. Michigan, really. Jim Bandstatter. Bandstatter. It's brand. Get it. <laughs> what? You and I are going to have to get to work on this. Oh, my brand. God. Stop. Bra- Got it. Bra- hey, listen, that's the same thing with uh, Bo and calling me Jared and Gerard. I know. And Gerard. Yeah. You, just call, you know what? I'll call you Gerard and you call and, me Band. Okay, there you have it. But it's, it's Jim Brand Statter. Um, and Jim, I've known since my rookie, rookie, freshman year. He was a player at Michigan. Uh, you started, you graduated in 72? Correct, correct. And, I, played, and, uh, I played in Bo's first three years there, uh, freshman year. Couldn't play back in those days in 1968, but in 69 was Bo's first year coaching the varsity, and that was my first year on the varsity. And, of course, uh, played three years and graduated in 1972. Man, now people talk about how tough uh, Bo was, you know, in the the 80s. And then, you know, up all the way until 90, his last year. But... They say that, you know, those first 69 and 70 <laughs> was like none other. I mean, w- could he even get away with that stuff in today's game of, you, of college football? You have no idea. <laughs> it, it was crazy. 
uh, Deerdorf, who was my teammate and uh, went on to play uh, for St. Louis and uh, was in the NFL Hall of Fame, called him a maniac. And, and I think one of the things he did, and that's where that famous saying, those who stay will be champions, came in. Because in that first spring, he put us through a physically and mentally draining, demanding spring practice that none of us literally, I think, signed up for. And yet those guys who stayed and, and went through the physical and mental uh, issues that they, he put us through. And he felt he had to establish himself. He told us this many years later. He said, I felt I had to establish myself. And the only way I could do it and weed out what I thought were the guys that weren't ready to pay the price was to be as extremely hard on as the group as I could be. And a lot of guys left. I mean, we had spring practice, Jared, where they had 120 guys out. And I think we finished with like 83 or 84. Just, that's, just how because... guys, that's how many guys left. I mean, and, and but but again, he kept saying, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. And then during the next year, you know, we were three and two and things weren't going our way. And we went down and we beat Minnesota. And then we didn't get beat the rest of the year. And we beat Ohio State, the greatest college football team ever assembled. You know, it's 24-12 in 1969, which was kind of a watershed victory in the Michigan program. And basically, all of us looked at each other and went, you know, mm. the guy's nuts, but but there's a method to his madness. So let's not question him. Let's do what's necessary. And in the next two years, Jared, I did not lose but one game in a regular season. And then I lost one game in a Rose Bowl. So in 1970 and 72, or one, I only lost two games. And it was wow. because of what Schembechler made us believe and put us through. We were the toughest, most prepared team uh, on any football field on any Saturday we took the field. We believed it, and we went out and won football games that way. Were you, were on, you the on the team, team prior, prior to him being the coach? Who was the coach before him? The coach before him was Bump Elliott. And Bump was a uh, the varsity coach, but freshmen couldn't play at the varsity level when I came in. So we had a, a freshman coach called Bill Dodd. We practiced for an entire fall and only had two games. We played a freshman game against the freshman team from Toledo and a freshman game against the freshman team from Bowling Green. And we won both of those games. But the varsity team, how did they do? The varsity team actually was eight and two. That, that, that year against, uh, uh, in Bump's last season, as Bo said, when he came in, the, the cupboard was not bare. Uh, Michigan lost their opener to California and lost the final game to Ohio State and won everything else in between. But it was that 50-14 to 14 loss to Ohio State that ultimately got the change made, and Don Cannon went to Miami and got Bo. Well, that's that's interesting because you say that it the, 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 the cupboard was not bare and, and then Bo came in. Let's go to Lloyd's last year when he retired, and then – they brought in Rich Rodriguez. I mean, we, you know, the the coaches and whatnot, we all gave our coaches, the captains of the teams of prior teams, we all gave our blessing like we really needed to. I mean, but, <laughs> we, but we were, you know, we were supportive of, you know, because it was the first time in over 20 years that someone who wasn't a part of the Michigan program came in from out, quote, unquote, outside. But it didn't work, and it was like it not like it was the worst uh, yeah. three years put together of a Michigan team in the history of the. What was the? I I have my theory. 
But what do you think was the problem when we, I mean, when Lloyd left, this he left with a, you know, the cover was not bare. And in his record, I think he, he won like eight games or nine games that his last year. Right. What was, what do you, what do you I, think was the problem? I think that he, he lost a great senior class, a leadership class, Chad Annie uh, and those guys. And, and defensive players that were, you know, around and have been through the whole wars and, he lost a lot of leadership there. But the other thing I think that really hurt him, Rich came into this uh, team with an offense that was the spread, okay? He was the father of this spread offense. And Ryan Mallett, who was, hey, the guys went on and played in the NFL now. He started a few games, so he had some talent. But Ryan Mallett says, I'm not going to play the spread. And he left. And he went to Arkansas. And basically, I think what happened was, is you had a Rich Rodriguez, which was a square peg, trying to fit into a round hole with an offense that he didn't have players to run it. And he really never got players to run it until he finally got Denard Robinson up to speed. And then things started to turn around a little bit. But at that point, I think the biggest problem was defensively, they couldn't find an answer. I mean, Michigan is not used to allowing 55 and 50 points a game <laughs> and not being able to stop people. Uh, the big thing and one of the most frustrating games to me during Rich Rodriguez's career, and this goes to where I come from and where you come from, Jared. You're a, you know football and you know football. It's a downhill, two-back, tight end. When you need to pound it, you can pound it. And Michigan never had that offense. But what was really depressing to me, we played Wisconsin. And defensively, we couldn't stop them. Their quarterback could have walked up to the line of scrimmage and said, we're going to run through here. And we wouldn't have been able to stop them at Michigan. And that's not Michigan defense. And and that game to me was the most frustrating game of any of the ones that I went through watching Rich Rodriguez's career. He could score. I mean, he did some good things. But when your defense is that just not able to do it physically at the line of scrimmage, that's, that's when I thought, you know, this is never, ever really going to work. It's going to take too long to bring some bodies in here to get it done. And, and, Finally, with Brady, Hope came in. He did get some bodies. And Jim Harbaugh, over the last two years, has done a great job with Brady, Hoke's players and won a lot of games. But Brady, you know, paid attention to the, uh, to the uh, offensive and defensive lines. And to me, that's where Rich, I think, strayed. He, he got a lot of skill, but, but when it came right down to it, and you're playing games in late October and November, you got to win that battle up front. If you can't do that, you're not going to win in the Big Ten, and and it's not Michigan football. Everybody that came to that stadium wanted to see that, wanted to see physical uh, football defense that stood up and stopped the other guy, and Michigan didn't have that kind of a team. And that, I think, soured everybody on Rich's, uh, Rich's tenure here at Michigan. Well, you mentioned something about offense and defensive line, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in my back pocket back pocket because I want to talk to you about that but while we're still on the subject of the of how the changes of coaches affected the team um, let's go like you talked about Rich coming in and having those those three years that that were really uncharacteristic of Michigan and then Brady Hulk comes in um, and does a, a does a pretty good job I mean uh, from my standpoint what I it looked like to me is that when Rich came in and we gave him support, but it looked like he just said, 
he got rid of everybody. He got and he changed the entire uh the coaching staff. He changed the the um weightlifting and the and the way they trained with weights and the way they worked out. And if the I told everyone that asked me about it what happened, I'm 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 from afar. I look at it. I say, but listen, when he changed everything and he didn't win, that created a problem. If he would have changed everything and they still would have continued to win, Rich Rodriguez would still be the coach today. Is my what I would what I think. But the fact that he came in and it didn't work for whatever reason, that's why there was a coaching change. And then when it when um, Brady coach Brady Hoke started having a little bit of success in his first year and second year started going down or whatever. And people thought that it was a change of, he was playing with riches uh, with rich Rodriguez's players. I always thought that Brady came in and did what I think most coaches will do is instead of coming in with their own system and trying to implement their system, period, he used what, tools he had used his system and molded his system around the players that he had where I think rich looked to me like he didn't he just like this is what my system is going to be and whether we have the people to use it or not it doesn't matter that's what I thought that right why it didn't work and now take it to this year it looks like like Harbaugh just did a fantastic job of just creating an atmosphere that we are going to be champions no matter what. We're going to put the work in. We're going to make sure whatever we need to do um, to work, to make it work, either either there's that by you changing the philosophy or of, of what you've been thinking or switching to use what we have. But when I saw, you know, most exciting thing about, about, about this team, what I liked was, how they used the the fullback and yeah. they brought the full how they and, brought and the, the full end, right? and the tight end back to football period because college football was just like you know like almost a spread run pass you know option all the time but this team now is just we're gonna line up and we're gonna run the fullback and and everybody knows that when they when they get close inside the five yard line who's gonna get the ball everybody knows but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, and they still they put that challenge onto them. That's what I really like about it. And when I ask, when people ask me about what happened in those years, and how come all of a sudden Michigan, you know, last year they're great, this year they're great, what happened? And I always say, you know, it was a it was a philosophy thing that I saw. But I'm saying this from California, right? And what, what I, I saw, think you're, and I think you're absolutely right. I think when Rich came in, Rich wanted to put his spread system in. He was hired because he was a spread coach. Remember when they hired him, Jared? He was like the hot coach. The, the hot, the, the hot coach, one hundred percent. Yeah, and 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 what he brought to it was this spread attack that everybody was loving every minute of it, right? Well, you yeah. love every minute of it until it doesn't work. Until it doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, guess what? You're three and out, and the other guys are ahead twenty-eight nothing before you get to halftime. And when that happens, folks at a hundred thousand seat stadium don't like it too much. And the other thing is, Rich didn't have his personnel to do it. Then when Brady came in, he didn't necessarily want to be a spread coach, but that's all the talent that he had. He had to use Denard Robinson as his quarterback. He got as much out of Denard as he possibly could. And 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 they beat Notre Dame in some classic games, and, and he did great his first year. And then the second year, 
people started to figure it out. They said, you know what? Let's make Denard beat us with his feet. Let's stop him because right. if we force him to throw, it's not going to be as good. And then defensively, they didn't have that talent up front, the, the line of scrimmage, the fullbacks, yeah. the, the tight ends, those guys up front that could win that battle, that could keep you in a game if your offense was stalled. If you could still play defense and you could keep the other guy at bay, you still have a chance to win a tight game down the stretch. And, and Brady never had that. And then finally, it goes back to the quarterback. You know, Brady ultimately had to try to get Devin Gardner in those last couple of years to get the job done. And I'll be quite frank, Devin is one of the great kids that I've ever met. I mean, you'd want your daughter to meet this guy and you'd want him to bring him home. Uh, he was He's a great, great young man. But God bless him, he's not a great quarterback. And, and especially in the Big Ten. And, and the offensive line wasn't doing a great job, and he got shell-shocked. And when you don't have a quarterback that can play, and then the whole thing with Shane Morris and the concussion deal, the, the kids on campus were going nuts. They wanted to get to Dave Brandon because he was charging too much or putting them in the wrong seats. And everybody was con so concerned about things that weren't involved in football mm. uh, that the whole thing kind of blew up. And at that point, Brady left, or, and, and Brandon, you know, or actually it was Jim Hackett who took over for, for Dave Brandon, had to get rid of Brady because it was basically just falling apart. And and choice 1, 1A, 1B, and 1C was Jim Harbaugh. And he was timing his everything. He was getting uh, set away from San Francisco, a mistake that they rue to this day. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, that the, the, the idiots at the 49ers are sitting there saying to themselves, why were we do? Why did we why? get rid of him? Why? I, egos. Okay. And right. when egos get involved, it goes back to what Schembechler always taught us, Jared. It's you, if you care what happens to the team and you don't care about individual success and all you're worried about is playing so that the group can succeed and you don't care about individual honors you're going to do better. And I think that you got egos involved in San Francisco. The owners wanted to be the heroes and they didn't want Jim Harbaugh to be the hero. So they said, we can't deal with this guy. We'll get rid of him. Now look at him. Ugh. They're a mess. And Michigan was literally we an eyelash away from a national championship run this year. So that being said, Brady kind of had an offense that he didn't want and players that he didn't fit. When Jim came in that those group of kids that kind of ran what would be a great a Jim Harbaugh offense were kind of in place. Now, he had to change up with a coaching staff that I think is outstanding. Mm. Bringing Don Brown in and DJ Durkin uh, when he first got here, Tim Drevno, uh, Mike Zordich, some of these coaches, they're just – and Tyrone Wheatley as a running back coach who's had all kinds of experience in the NFL and in college. These guys know how to deal with kids and coach them up. And, and Harbaugh is a quarterback whisperer. He brought Jake Rudock off the scrap heap in from Iowa. Iowa didn't want him. And, and he put Jake Rudock in charge last year, and he won all the way to the, uh, to the Citrus Bowl and blew Florida out of the box. And this year he takes a guy that nobody thought was going to be anything, Wilton Spate, and turns in him into a darn good quarterback. Now I think you're going to see – the effect of Jim Harbaugh in his recruiting and in his coaching abilities really start to play out in the years ahead.
because now he'll begin to get most all of his kids and his recruits in line, in place, and ready to go. And you're going to see more success as, quote-unquote, we all believe our program. It's not just about, uh, you know, win this year and everything. It's about win this year, win next year, and get better each and every year. And I think you're seeing that, and that's what Jim Harbaugh is setting up. He has done a, a just, I can't even say how well uh, it it just, he's done as far as recruiting and not just recruiting. Uh, he recruits all over. And, and, and when he does the uh, satellite camps, some people talk about this. I mean, some people, most people, all people talk about the satellite camps. But from those satellite camps, he hasn't really, who has he really picked up from? I think he's doing that just for other reasons than, than trying to get those people, those kids that he's recruiting at the sideline camp, satellite I, camps. I think, yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's, yeah. part of it is, I mean, if he sees a great kid at a satellite camp, he's going to ask him, he's, hey, you interested in Michigan? We would love to have you come on up and take a look at our campus, take a look at our program. I'm sure if he sees that young if man, he, he'd ask him. Right. But for the most part, what, what he's doing out there, Jared, is he's selling Michigan. That's what that's what I'm I've been telling people. It's not it, it's not like he's going around trying to get this person, that person. He's selling Michigan and changing the atmosphere. When he announced that they were going down to the I am the, down to Florida for spring, right. there I knew right then and there that other coaches are not on other college coaches are not on the same level as this man. He is moving into the the right here and now with with Twitter and and Facebook, all these things that people are looking for instantaneously to change the face of, of what whatever happens today, how can you change that face? Yeah, absolutely. And he's, and he's doing things like that, like having camps, um, taking I've never heard. It's a genius to <laughs> to take to take and say, okay, for spring break or we're gonna take a vacation and we're gonna do our uh, you know some 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 practices in Florida. Who, if you're a high school kid, who doesn't want to do? Who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. And, and Jared, you said it perfectly. It's you said, and, and these people are beginning to understand. It's not just the people; it's the kids. That's you know, he's relating to kids. I mean, he when he tweets something out, or and the other day he doesn't back down. The other day he was uh, asked about whether he's backing off of his comments following the Ohio State game and uh, his complaints that he was bitterly disappointed in the officiating. He said, no. He said, I, I've never believed that telling the truth was the wrong thing to do. So I'm not going to back that off of that. Well, that gets headlines. But the thing is, it's it's the concept. Right. Most people would agree completely with him. But I want to tell the truth. If you want me to back off from telling the truth, truth. I'm not going to do that. Correct. Most, most people, and I'm talking parents. Right. And, and these are the values they teach their kids. Yeah. Tell the truth. And who's that remind you? It might of? get you in trouble, you know. Who but guess that? what? Yeah. Be true to yourself. That kind of Be thing. True. And who does that remind you of? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, reminds me of the guy that put oh his foot, that put his foot on your left cheek. Oh my gosh! Just like oh. he put his foot on my left cheek. I've said this all year. He's a modern day Bo Schembechler. Period. Well, a, he he is, and 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 the thing that I love about him, and, and I think it goes back to your point. He's selling Michigan. So, Jared, he can walk into California where you are. And and if he knocks on somebody's door, they're going to know who Jim Harbaugh is right. and what he's selling. Right. And that door's going to open up and he's going to walk in and he's going to see a, 
a really solid kid, an athlete that could compete at the highest level, uh, both academically and athletically, and he's welcomed into that home. If that's the ultimate goal of you as a coach, which ultimately you have to be that guy because your lifeblood is the recruiting trail. Your lifeblood is that new young talent that you can inspire, put into your program, and continue to win and win the right way. And, yeah. and, and if you can do that by, by thinking outside the box, by going on Twitter, by tweaking the noses of somebody in the SEC who says, oh, I don't think that that's the proper way to do it, but it's not illegal. Nobody no. complains it's illegal. The NCAA can't do anything to him. He's selling Michigan. He's Period. selling the brand, and he's doing what his he's he's doing what Michigan hired him to do. That's win football games and sell Michigan. And I don't think since Bo, we've had anybody that has sold it like he has. He's seen he he loved it. it I think um, the coaches all love Michigan, but uh, Harbaugh is showing to me from from a person sitting out out here in California watching. I've I've never never seen anyone use all the tools that are available in a such a way that are such spectacular but le very legal that it, it makes it exciting and that's why i am so you know excited when i'm seeing these different things when they did the uh it was like a uh like a um a draft day or something when they were just announcing the oh, guys announcing the uh, the recruiting come, yeah, come on right. man come on <laughs> how about getting rick flair in bro? come on man yeah, and, and and tom brady and, and Derek Jeter. I mean, these guys come in and, and how, if you're a high school kid. How can you not be impressed with that? Not, when you walk out on stage and the Hill Auditorium goes up and big applause <laughs> for you. And then you sit down at, a, at a, a couch like a Johnny Carson show and you shake hands with Derek Jeter and Tom Brady and Ric Flair. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, now, if that doesn't get you going. And you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what what better way you can do it. When he when I saw them do that, I said, you know what, this man is as 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 head and shoulders yeah. above. Um, and and it's and 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 it doesn't stop there because that is just to sell, like you said, the Mich Michigan period. And it's not something that's fake. He loves Michigan. And when we get on the field, he is a coach. It's not a. It stops there. It's it starts there, coming into the program, and then it's a classroom. And then if yeah. you perform, it's it goes right back to if you come and stay, you will be champions. And Absolutely. It's, so when we have um, draft class, I'm saying draft <laughs> recruiting classes like they've had uh, the last year, it's like it's no question. And and they're doing such a great job. And here's the thing. This year, what, first game? And they played, what, 16 or 17 freshmen? 17 true freshmen. True freshmen. And, I mean, these guys are actually they, – they're players. They're not just – and they're taking space. They're actually putting, you know, putting in work. So, and, and that is what I'm seeing when I say that the coach is doing more than just talk. And, and you're right. And, Jared, how, I mean, think about this. If you're a freshman and you're coming into Michigan, and you talked to another freshman, and the other freshman said, yeah. I said, Coach Harbaugh told me if I was good enough and I practiced hard enough, I was going to play. And, you know, in that first game, I got in there and I played. 
that all of a sudden makes an impact on you. And you want, you know, it's not just lip service. He's serious. If I work hard and I compete at practice every day and I show them that I can play, he's not going to say, no, you're going to sit in redshirt. He'll play me if I'm good enough. And that speaks volumes to that young man, that his coach is telling him the truth, that he'll play if he's good enough. And I think that's, I think that's, that's great because that's what young kids, you know, really, when, it, when they come in, they want to hear that. And you know what? You played. You and I both know. When I walk on campus and I look at some of the guys in front of me, I'm going, oh, maybe, not, <laughs> maybe, maybe I ought to take a red shirt. Yeah, 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 that yeah. guy's really good. But then there are other guys where you're going, hey, I can play with that guy. That's right. And, 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 and when you don't, you get a little discouraged. But when you are rewarded for that work, and that's what Jim does. He rewards those kids for that work. And then like this kid, Devin Asiasi, he's from Sherwood, somewhere out in California. First game, he walks in and he's playing with, with Tyrone Wheatley, 283, 285-pound tight ends that can run. And, and that's only because he worked hard in the early fall practices and proved that he deserved a shot to play. And there he was playing. And I think every freshman that comes in can look at that, look at Jim's record and say, there's a recipe for success. There is. Fans, subscribe to the Go Blue Players with J&J on iTunes if you haven't already. And if you haven't become a follower on the blogtalkradio.com, become one to win exclusive autograph gifts and tickets to the games. This is Ward Manuel, athletic director at the University of Michigan. You're listening to Go Blue Players with J&J. You've been listening to Go Blue Players with J&J. I'm Jared Bunch. Be sure to check back next week for part two of my talk with another Michigan man, Jim Brandstetter. Go Blue. See you next week.